Welcome everybody back to the Be Kind Rewind Show, a show where we look at the movies that are, are universally panned, people hate, they don't like them. We take a, a look at these movies with fresh eyes and we dissect them and we can prove beyond a shadow of a doubt that these movies are actually very, very, very good in their own way, I should say. A little bit different show tonight. Um, this is a little outside of my personal comfort zone, but I'm really glad for you guys listening this week. Uh, with me in the studio today are three empty chairs. This is just me and my friend Brett. Hi, Brett. Hi, Joey. <laughs> uh, this is just me. Um, I wanted to come. I had, I had some things to t- talk about and to get off my chest and, and maybe answer some questions. Um, kind of feel a little bit of backstory uh, from the be, the be Kind Rewind, what it is, uh, what I'm trying to do, um, why? Why, wh- why? 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 Why take the time to do something like this? Um, people ask me a lot, so you know, about what's your podcast about? Because it seems like just about everybody and their mom have podcasts now. And what's so, you know, what's your hook? What's your angle? It's like, I really don't think I have a hook or an angle. I just have really always loved movies. Uh, I loved talking about them, and something that would always jump out at me were the anytime people talked about movies that are terrible, it was always like the same four or five movies that people hated. So when people ask me about the show, I always, always just describe it by the very first episode. I said it's the Be Kind Rewind. It's a movie show where we talk about bad movies, about why they're good. Specifically, like Star Wars, The Phantom Menace. If you've listened to that episode, I personally think that that movie is actually fantastic. It's absolutely wonderful. But we're not going to talk about just that movie today. Uh, I think we've covered the Star Wars, The Phantom Menace plenty of times. Again, we're going to talk about the Be Kind Rewind as a whole. And unfortunately, a little bit about me, Joey. Um, Like I said, my, my name is Joey. I'm the host of the show. Uh, I kind of came up with this idea. I had an opportunity to pitch um, a, a couple shows uh, for, for the wonderful guys here at the Eavesdrop Network. And uh, out of the few shows that I've kind of had bumbling around out there, all of them, honestly, had been done before. The last thing that uh, uh, the internet needs is a film critic, uh, a film critic show. Uh, there's There's enough negativity out there. There's... Uh, uh, enough snarkiness and pettiness and uh, self-centeredness out there that you know, we need to do something a little bit different. Uh, I wanted to do something a little bit more positive. And so this is where it came up with. And obviously, you know, the Be Kind Rewind, uh, the title of its uh, of the show came from the old uh, Please Be Kind and Rewind stickers off VHS tapes. Not entirely uninspired, but I thought it fit for the theme of the show. So anyway, about me, I am 39 years young. Uh, just kidding. I am old as hell. I am 39 years old. I've had the opportunity uh, over the course of my life to do a lot of different things. I am a Jill of all trades and a master of none. 
Um, I've had the opportunity to perform in a lot of different stages and a lot of different forums. Uh, I've dabbled in things like stand-up comedy, theater, film. I was in a band for a short time. I was in, I do a lot of burlesque shows, which again, if this was a video show and you can see what I look like, you would be laughing. And I think that would be, I would hopefully that would be the highlight of your day. Uh, a pretty big, good size, 300 pound man does a lot of burlesque shows, but um, you, know, you, you pursue the passions that you love. And um, again, that, kind of kind of why we're here we're talking about these these bad movies because there is a lot to love about these things and, and like i said I, i've been very fortunate enough to um uh, to partake in a lot of different things but um <clears throat> you know the, the obvious question that comes up is you know what, what what do you love about movies so much well the same like everybody loves about movies movies are a very you know people have been drawing pictures on caves and drawing lines in the sand literally for thousands of years people love to you know people have stories to tell and the medium of motion pictures going from the 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 silent films to the talkie era to what they are now these gigantic um super high definition movies is it's just phenomenal to me that this medium in a very short time um basically taking these 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 things that people liked like the circuses and vaudeville shows and putting them on camera telling stories uh, in front of an audience um it, it's just an amazing medium and it, it's definitely shaped uh the the human story um it, it, without question um you can really tell where the society is and where people are by looking at what what the entertainment that they were making and what um and what they were into i, I worked at a video store uh a few years ago before they started going out of business and the manager which is really funny and i and i really uh, applaud him for asking for for saying this i asked him because that was just the beginning of uh, online streaming and mail-in uh, services were coming were, were, were becoming a thing very quickly and I asked him, I said, do you think that you, that this type of medium would, um, that type of like streaming services would put those businesses out, out of work and to the point where would they even not even be any kind of, is it even a viable, uh, thing anymore? And he said, well, it's just going to change and it's going to evolve into a different form because no matter how bad things are, and this is, like I said, this is something that was very, I, I, I had to applaud him for taking this attitude. He said, no matter how bad things are, no matter how dark the world can get, people still need their entertainment. They still need to escape from their, 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 their day to day, their, their, their Monday through Fridays. And I think the world as a whole, we've gotten a lot more cynical, a little bit more jaded and this type of, of, of endeavor, looking at these, these older movies, um, looking at the time period of which they came from, um, and there's not a lot of, of Shakespearean tales that we look at with this show, but it, it is something to enjoy to escape our story, to, for just two hours, live somebody else's story. And that's what I really love about uh, films in general. 
uh, my father, uh, from a very young age, he was rarely into movies. And, and uh, my, my apologies to the Circle K by our house that we used to be able to rent movies from. Uh, he would rent the movies as they were coming out every week. He would bring them home and immediately pirate them onto blank VHS tapes, relabel them, and he would have three or four movies on one VHS tape and then return them to the video store. So he had a fairly decent homemade bootleg library uh, growing up that we were able to, uh, he allowed us to watch. And of course he had a lot of those classic dad movies like Aliens and, and Predator and a lot of off the wall stuff that to this day is hard to come by, but I do distinctly remember watching. There was a movie that, that comes to mind when I think about those days when I was a kid, was Death Row Game Show. And this movie is exactly what it sounds like. Um, this was a really ridiculous little movie about a game show where they would have death row inmates come on and they would they would follow through with the execution. And depending on the outcome of how the, the people were executed, their their surviving loved ones could win prizes and cash. They would like uh, use a guillotine on, on an offender. And if his head landed face up, his family got prizes and face down. They did not. It was, it was a very, very, it's gritty and grim sounding, but it was really goofy and just a, a ridiculous little film. And, and those types of, of movies just always stuck out of me. These really goofy movies that, that my dad had in, in his little homemade library. Um, but they were always something, some of my most fun memories growing up as a kid. Uh, was was going to the movies. Uh, he took me to go see Batman in 1989 when that came out. Uh, he took me to see uh, Back to the Future 2 and 3. Uh, he took me to, he actually took me to go see Predator 2 with him. <laughs> uh, he told my mom he was going to take me to go see Home Alone, but instead he took me to go see Predator 2, and I had never even seen the first Predator at that time. <laughs> Um, and sadly he passed away in 93. Um, he, he got sick and he passed away. And, and, and one of the most tragic things about that, obviously there was a lot of things that was really tragic about that, but I always felt after he passed away, the movies that came out afterwards, what he would have loved. And the movies that came out like that summer after he passed away was like the fugitive and, uh, he didn't get a chance to see Jurassic Park. And I think those two particular movies he would have loved and we would have had to sit and watch them all the time. Well, I watched Jurassic Park all the time because I was a 13-year-old kid. But, excuse me, 14-year-old kid. But, like, yeah, the, specifically, like, The Fugitive, I think would have been his favorite all-time movie. Uh, that and probably, like, um, Air Force One, <laughs> Under Siege, films like that, that that he missed out on. Um but, you know, that's a you know, kind of sad thing to, to think about. I don't really want to dwell on that, but it's just something that always kind of sticks with me. It's like, you know, what kind of films would he have liked? And, you know, as growing up, uh, continuing from that, uh, films were just always there. Um, had a lot of really important movies in my life that affected me really personally that most people would laugh at. Um, but they still are very personal and very good movies. We're, we're going to talk to, we're going to talk a little bit about that today. Uh, moving forward, 
I have a, a special uh, not in numerical order top 10 list of movies that A, haven't we haven't done on the show yet. Uh, B, B, movies that we definitely will be go- covering in length at the movie uh, on the show. And just ones that were always personal to me that weren't big, successful movies that everybody loved. And I, I'm just going to do a quick, easy, uh, just a nice, quick and easy top 10 movies some really brief notes on these these aren't i can't say these are my favorite movies i can't say these are movies that are amazing and it's not inclusive at all um it's very very sprawling but they're movies that are coming up in the next couple months um as far out as probably six months from now um but these are most of these movies we're gonna we're gonna get to and so i'm not gonna labor too long on them but i kind of want to give a picture because i love um, there is a website that I read every single day and I've read every single day for at least the last, uh, probably 10 years, if not longer, and that's cracked.com. And they have done top 10 lists and random things like this for years and years and years. And, uh, they, uh, for the right, some of the writers from that website, cracked.com, if you're listening to this, you really need to send your checks to, uh, uh, the eavesdropnetwork.com care of Boise, Idaho. But, um, so I just kind of wanted to to uh, saw just some briefly hit on some movies that are that will be coming up in the future that we're going to be doing, and just some quick quick things about them, uh, kind of get a picture of what we're looking at in the future, and so you get a better understanding of where my head's at because <laughs> um, they're goofy and they are, and these are ones that are actually a little bit more personal. They weren't just some random movie oh that's kind of cool there's some cool stuff and those actually have some little personal things to them that 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 i really love and maybe that's something that you can uh, check out that you have never given uh, haven't really given much thought into or something that you might i don't know you might find something in here that you'll you really dig so in no particular order but some movies that are coming up that i really love and they are escapees Zims, 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 zims. All right. Well, obviously, number 10 on this list, and in no particular order, like I said. Okay, The Blair Witch Project. Hard Stop, The Blair Witch Project. My favorite horror movie that was ever made, ever. Hard Stop. Uh, it is the most different, scary a uh, bizarre moment in time movie that I think I have ever seen. And the only reason why, and I'll, and I'll, and I'll, and I'll, I, 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 and I can admit this. The only reason why I think this movie is so good is because I was smack dab right in the middle of the, of the democratic demo, demographic that it was made for. Blair Witch Project came out in the late nineties, uh, I believe 99 when the internet as it is now, was in its infancy. Uh, it was still looked at as a gimmick uh, of sorts. There was no, I mean, there was some connectivity, but there was nothing like there is now. So you had some filmmakers and some local local actors went out on a nothing budget and filmed a fake documentary about a local legend that they made up 
for the movie and killed it. Absolutely killed it. And the only thing that made that movie as good as it was is the buildup around it. They had a fake documentary they put on a sci-fi channel produced talking about the history of the Blair Witch. They posted uh, missing picture, miss, missing posters of the three actors from the movie scattered them around the country on different colleges and things like that. Um, for all intents and purposes, this was real. And they never once let it up. It was real. You were watching a real documentary about three filmmakers that went out to the woods to document and talk about the Blair Witch um, mythos. Uh, uh, which was, a, you know, just a, a local legend, and through the course of the movie, they they get uh, they they get uh, one of them disappears, and clearly something is after them the entire time, and it, it is it is left off so ambiguous and so for its time terrifying that I think it is absolutely amazing and brilliant. And one of the things that, that sticks with me with that film is that we went, me and a group of my friends went to saw it, see it at the theater. Again, believed it to be true, okay? There was no, uh, you know, there was no um, that, that, that idea of suspending your, uh, suspending your doubt. No, we went in, like, we're going to see something crazy. We watched the movie, and again, I people who have never seen it before, people who don't like scary movies, I tell them, watch the Blair Witch, if anything. There's not a single thing in there. There's no creature. There is no no huge bloody gore. There's nothing. There's insinuate, maybe you're looking at something that's gory, maybe, but it's shot in black and white, so it could be anything wrapped up in some, uh, wrapped up in some sticks. Uh, the, the way, the mood that the movie is painted is absolutely crazy and so we watched this movie we all left the theater shook just holy smokes like we were speechless and I can remember distinctly standing in the parking lot of Edwards 21 here in Boise Idaho talking about this movie we just saw the exact same thing and every single one of us told a different story of what we saw in the movie did you see the face did you see the hands, did you see the Blair Witch running up on the side there? Did you see this? Did you see that? We all saw something different and nothing was there. But we all saw something different because we honestly believed we were watching was true. In an area where they throw people throw around fake news and, and bullshit like that, we watched something different. And it was an event. And I feel bad for the people that had to suffer the never-ending um, parody and... Uh, the way that genre was just taken and just exploded after that. I feel bad for the people that missed that movie when it came out because you missed something special. And unfortunately you missed something that can never be duplicated again. They made millions off of a 300,000, if that budget, um, but the monetary aspect of that as astounding as that is, it's absolutely wonderful and just, I, I, I can't put it into words just how that time period uh, of that moment in history that I, I was fortunate enough to see something 
that can never be duplicated ever. You're never going to see a movie again to that length to where, I mean, those actors from that movie were on Jay Leno like a week after that movie came out and it didn't matter. You still believed what you saw. And even after you were given definitive proof that it was fake, it was still, holy crap, I saw something. And then what's even better is that coming out of it, you heard the horror stories of how the movie was made and all these crazy things that happened to the actors that may or may not may have happened. I'm pretty sure they probably treated them like crap, but it's unreal the stuff that Hank came out of just filming that movie. And I feel bad for the people that missed it because I, I, I don't have a contemporary analog, unfortunately, to it. It was such a, a fascinating case study in everything working right for it. Uh, great move, uh, word of mouth. Uh, everybody, you know, nobody believing what they, you know, seeing what they were believing, what they were seeing. Uh, I just, I, I could sit and talk for the next hour and a half about this. And there's going to be a whole episode. And I want to try to keep that episode under two hours because that one for me is, is a big one. That, that is uh, a, a, a very, a, a, a very important film for myself. Yeah, is is it a yeah? It's, it's it's a terrible movie. Nothing happens. It's a bunch of borderline insufferable assholes wandering around the forest, just slowly getting lost and just it's. But holy crap, to to be able to see it the way in that moment was just something magical. And unfortunately, it's it's tragic that it can't be duplicated. The next one, Speed Racer. It was the what the Chowskis. Um Emil Hirsch, John Goodman, Christina Ricci, uh, the dude from Lost, Matthew Fox. Amazing film. Amazing, amazing film. Uh, it is definitely uh it was just a, a, an anime from from way back in the day. They, they, they made it a live action. It's two hours plus long. Uh, it is crazy. Uh, when they were doing the publicity for this movie, when it came out, it came out in the, in the mid two thousands. Um, the, 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 one of the characters was on Stephen Colbert and Stephen Colbert, uh, basically described it as a, a bunch of fireworks thrown into a dryer. And that is exactly what that movie is. This movie is the most cartoony, like we, we, this is a common theme for the shows here that these are like live action cartoons. That is the most animated live action movie I've ever seen. It is absolutely crazy. And, uh, it, it, it's, it, it falls. Unfortunately, it hits a lot of the same problems that Flintstones did. It was dealing with themes that kids just don't care about, uh, embezzling, uh, embezzling things. And, um, uh, artificially uh, devaluing or uh, artificially devaluing stocks uh, to make uh, your product cheaper to buy back more stocks from a little just embezzling things that just aren't that important. Uh, on a side note, Cars 2 suffered from that same exact problem. Uh, but absolutely fascinating movie specifically about the racer family. Uh I don't know how goofy as that sounds, but that's their last name. Uh, Speed Racer. That movie starts in a a, a typical race. You know, their their economy is race based. 
Um, and that movie starts in the first half hour. To, you can just watch it for the first half hour and you will see an entire, uh, you will see an entire complete story about the tragedy of a family that, uh, ha suffered immense loss and how they've been able to cope since that loss. Um, it is absolutely fascinating. You watch speed racer go from a kid to an adult, the loss of his, uh, the loss of his brother in an accident that happened before the movie. Um, you have two different races that are happening simultaneously. You know, when you play a, a racing video game and you can race a ghost car, they literally put that in this movie. And I think that it, that alone you're racing, you know, he's racing a ghost car. He's racing the ghost of his brother that raced years earlier on that same track. I'm getting goosebumps just talking about it because it's absolutely just phenomenal. Um, a very simple uh, way to describe uh, the backstory to set the, the the movie in motion is in itself a masterpiece in a 20-minute, 30-minute prologue, essentially. is absolutely... Uh, the movie from top to bottom is, is, is great. Um, even the insufferable kid with the monkey is funny. It'll make you smile. And we're going to do a whole episode of Speed Racer, so I'm not going to... I uh, talk too much about that. Um, I've got a tie for this next two. It was Batman versus Superman tied with Suicide Squad. And the reason why I had these two movies tie each other, because you really can't talk about one without the other. Talk about two misfires when all of the parts were, were every thing was going right for these two films leading into when they came out. Uh, Batman versus Super. We're gonna be. They were gonna be telling some stories that fanboys have been t talking about for years, and then Suicide Squad, which was literally the DCU's answer to Guardians of the Galaxy. And I've gone on record before saying how much of a game changer the Guardians of the Galaxy movie was. Um, I think it affected uh, superhero movies great more greater than I, than than I think it's even evident now. And I think we're still going to see uh, uh, the Guardians of the Galaxy effect um, for for the time to come, for for the near future for sure. But uh, Suicide Squad uh, and Batman versus Superman movies themselves are, you know, yeah, there was some different missteps, but there's things that came out of these movies that are absolutely amazing. Uh, Margot Robbie, wow, talk about making a rack of clothing from Hot Topic into a two-hour movie and making it actually fascinating. Really good job. I think she did a really, really, really good job. And Suicide Squad should never have been about Harley Quinn and the Joker's relationship. No, it should have been <laughs> Will Smith saves a white girl because that's pretty much how it plays out. Uh <laughs> <laughs> that their chemistry is way better and way more interesting than anything that Jared Leto did. Again, you have to give Jared Leto credit for his Joker. <sighs> for uh, taking risks in that. And, and, you know, cause we, everybody knows what the Joker looks like to come up with something arguably original and different than what has seen before and 
still in and itself just uh i would have liked to have seen what that movie was going to be before they decided to throw a bunch of uh 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 a needless soundtrack onto it again from following the guardians of the galaxies um uh playbook because the preview if you go back to look at the uh the the very first trailer to suicide squad uh it's a very slow slow melodic version of I started a joke by the Bee Gees done very poetically and very beautiful. Uh, you, I think that you would have seen a much different movie had they not just filled it with seventies pop hits. Um, that trailer alone was worth the price of a mission. Uh, for one, it was a song that I was really not even all that familiar with um, to make it all slow and beautiful um definitely definitely is something special uh to take from take away from that movie and again it was a piece to a greater thing that they were trying to do and you have to give them credit for it and th that harley quinn now is that's how people see it it's not black and red anymore it's blue and red and i'm hoping that uh, out of the ashes of the dcu we get more at least uh, some more of Harley Quinn, stuff like that. I have heard that James Gunn in his absence from the MCU, uh, from Disney, I should say, uh, was putting together Suicide Squad 2. And that is the greatest thing that could have ever happened to Suicide Squad, if that's what, ha if that's, if that's how it's going to go down. So, um, yeah, instantly classic for what they are. Not a, a, an amazing movie, a lot of missteps, but you got to give them credit for creating something that's recognizable to the day and will continue to be recognizable for a while. That leads to Ghostbusters. Answer the call. 2016 Lady Ghostbusters was amazing. Are you kidding me? A phenomenal little movie. Um, the machinations that goes into that, that that went into making another Ghostbusters, they literally shot themselves in the foot back in the day. They had to, they created for themselves an insurmountable thing to be able to make another uh, Ghostbusters movie. You had to have uh, Ivan Reichman, um, um, Bill Murray, Dan Aykroyd. Um, the Egon, f me. I'm so bad with names today. Are you kidding me? Didn't you already say Ivan Reitman? Ivan Reitman, and or no, Egon. Uh, Harold Ramis. Harold Ramis. Oh my God, I'm a <laughs> terrible individual. A terrible, terrible individual. Uh, you had to have the okay from all of these people who are notoriously well. For one, Dan Acker will say yes to anything. Uh, out, of, out of all the Ghostbusters, again, you're not gonna you're gonna think less of me on that. Out of all the the guys from Ghostbusters, Dan Aykroyd was the one that I always was the most fond of because <laughs> he is literally the the, the <laughs> he's my kind of goofy, and <laughs> I I I, uh, I I applaud him for that. Uh, he is definitely my kind of goofy. But um, so answer the call, Ghostbusters. I thought it was it was great. I, I, they were able to do that with all of the these blessings from these things that, you know, so Ivan Reichman had to step away from it. Um, unfortunately, Harold Ramis passed. Bill Moore, Bill Murray and Dan Aykroyd were alive and said, sure, why not? Let us be in it. 
and then that we will lie about it, but we will let us be in it. Um, and, and I thought it was hilarious. I, I thought it was great. I thought it was a very natural. It didn't feel like we're doing ladybusters. It literally felt very, it had some very genuinality to it. The thing that the only thing that I, I personally didn't like was the Looney Tunes bits in the alley when they were, when they were testing the, 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 the equipment, because that kind of laid into a little bit more of a, like a, an overtly slapsticky thing that wasn't quite prevalent in the Ghostbusters films other than tell Ghostbusters two, there was some slapsticky stuff in there, but that was just overtly, uh, slapsticky. But other than that, I thought it was great. And I loved the different takes on it. And I, I argued then, and I'm going to argue now that it wasn't a continuation of the Ghostbusters, uh, with those dudes, uh, from the original ones. It is definitely a live action gender swapped movie based on the cartoon of the real Ghostbusters. All you have to do is look at Egon Spangler from that show and Kate McKinnon's character from that movie. And they are identical. They have the same shaped glasses. They have the blonde hair that's, that's, uh, combed very specific way. That is more of where Paul Fay got the, 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 I, I will, I will say the inspiration for this movie. That is just, it was just a fun movie. Uh, oh my gosh. Just, there's so many good things about that movie. And unfortunately that just because it was ladies, people had a problem with it and that was their fault. And <laughs> die mad about it <laughs> i thought it was great <laughs> uh another one that comes up that uh people really love actually people really like this movie there's not a lot of people that people hate it but it's just to a lot of people this is their like guilty pleasure and it's starship troopers oh my god what a great film from top to bottom it's good stuff uh, a very you see a lot of that stuff now with it. You're essentially watching an interactive movie in a way because the film totally cuts into propaganda films and uh, a narrator saying, would you like to know more? Like it cuts away to uh, a computer interface that someone's watching back into this really cool, different story of uh, uh, which I am sure is a thousand degrees different from Heinlein's original uh, book. I'm sure of it. I don't think that the, this, the, uh, the themes that were put in the movie were, were as blatant as they were in the book or vice versa. But, uh, you know, is it problematic? Yeah. Oh God. Yes. Um, yeah, it's definitely mocking fascism and that's exactly, uh, you've got gentrification, you've got fascism, you've got, Complete. The guy's name is Rico, and it's the whitest, one of the most whitest, blonde-haired, blue-eyed cat. Uh, I mean, easy on the eye for sure. Casper Van Dien certainly is, but holy smokes, there's not a lot of melatonin in that movie. You have to give it credit though. The the replacement Sky Marshal, uh, you have to give her credit for uh, was a person of color, so that was cool. Um, uh, just really interesting movie. Uh, it's not something that they. It's not a risk that they would take now that they took back then. And it's a wonderful movie. And it's definitely one that we're going to do on the show. Uh, my best friend, Jeremiah, if you're listening to this, uh, you are, I have a front row seat uh, for that, for that episode. Um, and, it, but in a way though, it is kind of interesting too, because it's both progressive and fascist in a way, because there's no, uh, 
the gender equality is such a way that they just have showers. <laughs> you have to give it credit for that. So that's cool. Um, but again, very, very, uh, uh, pretty fascist. Definitely. <laughs> Definitely. Um, very xenophobic. Uh, the next one, Blues Brothers 2000. Wow. What a phenomenal, phenomenal soundtrack. That is an amazing collection of, of musicians, especially at the end as the Louisiana Gator Boys. Uh, it is absolutely every bit of Dan Aykroyd's passion project ever. Uh, something that he tried to make for a very long time, finally made it. And I actually think that it's very, very good if you are a music lover. If you are a lover of movies and comedies, I'm sorry. <laughs> because it is neither one of those. <laughs> uh, it's It tells a very basic story of what happened to Elwood Blues as he got older, got out of prison, uh, put his life back together, and had an adventure... <laughs> Uh, through Dan Aykroyd's blues album crate, um, uh, which he then decided to re-sing himself. Uh, but it was really cool. And kind of the cool things that came out of that film was, for one, John Goodman can sing very well. If you hadn't seen King Ralph in the past, you'd know that he actually he did a pretty good job. And it would have been so easy for them to cast uh, Jim Belushi instead but they went a different route and, and cast John Goodman instead, um, which I really appreciated. Um, I, <laughs> I I like Jim Belushi. Uh, he did a movie called Mr. Destiny. Uh, Destiny. Mr. Destiny, a, a, a film that um, I really enjoyed as a kid. He, he made another movie too called uh, Taking Care of Business. Uh, again, another film that I'd seen when I was a kid that I really enjoyed. And so... You know, everybody knows him as like canine and then from the show that he was on. But to, to pull off Blues Brothers 2000 with for the musicians they had in there and the music that is just so good. It's um, a fairly good movie. And me and uh, I mentioned a second ago, my friend Jeremiah, we both really loved that movie when it came out. We It really resonated with us. We even went to uh, as dumb, you know late teen uh high schoolers we we did we bought into it we had black suits and we went to school in the fedoras and the sunglasses and the black suits on more than one occasion just because we enjoyed listening to this mu the music from this movie um uh, quite often one of the, the the best standout scenes of that movie actually for me was when elwood blues first comes out of jail and he's standing on the side of the road and he keeps looking left and right waiting for his brother, John Belushi to come and pick him up. And that like subtly was a very good goodbye to that character. Uh, um, the, 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 the daughter, uh, 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 or, uh, a friend of his or someone that shows up. It's been a while since I've seen that flick. I just remember the music being so good. And this scene being very, very powerful comes and he doesn't really say much. They don't even show what he's, what they're talking about. She's, she, she tells him something and he just kind of like lowers his head. And then that's it. 
and then the, the narrative moves on and it's so good and so powerful. Um, I was, I'm really glad that, that, that they were, that they were able to put that together. Um, for a lot of the musicians that run that movie that are actually aren't even with us anymore. Um, it, it's a very interesting movie. Yeah, no, it's not a good narrated mo- narrative of a film. Uh, it's a very good hour and a half long music video. Um, but it's still, it's still fun. And I still enjoy the heck out of it. There are some really good scenes with Joe Morton and some scenes of absolute insanity that uh, they re- were able to recreate years later with a, over, uh, with a grandiose car crash and the church people, the revival jumping around sky high. And just there's moments of just insanity that are just brilliant. So Blues Brothers 2000 for sure is something if you haven't exposed yourself to it, I would, I would give it a shot. Not too many people know, uh, we're coming close to the end of this, the end of this episode, but not too many people know this one, uh, Black Dynamite. The most funniest movie I personally have ever seen. Is that bad grammar? Yes. Is that movie good? Holy crap. Black Dynamite is... This is one of those movies that I laughed so hard. It was just like uh, the other movie I was talking about earlier. I laughed so hard I was hurting in multiple, multiple scenes. Hurting. I was laughing so hard. When the movie ended, I immediately restarted it. And it's not even that old of a movie. It's about 10 years old now. It's got Michael Jai White, and he plays Black Dynamite. And what this is, is a... Uh, a black exploitation movie that they made years uh, they, they made that uh, drew from all of the different things that you would have seen. If you were a fan of those types of mid seventies um, shaft uh, superfly, um, And, and I mean, and those movies themselves are the, the top of that genre. I mean, we're talking um, the man from Harlem and just like Dolomite, like we're talking like mid-range, like terrible, terrible black exploitation movies, and they nailed it brilliantly, absolutely brilliant. Um, it from the beginning to end. I mean, it was made on a shoestring budget. It was filled with stock footage. Um, the scenes go; for, it just meanders from scene to scene. So ridiculous and so funny. Michael Jai White, if you don't know who he is, he played Spawn um, years ago. He uh, was, uh, he's in Batman Beyond, uh, Batman Begins, but you're not going to remember who, you know, he's the one that uh, uh, it was supposedly killed, you know, Tom and Martha, but uh, you can't even count that as like, oh, that's a Michael Jai White movie. Black Dynamite, absolutely hilarious. Uh, I, 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 I'm speechless on how much. I, I, that's probably what I'm going to go home and watch tonight uh, <laughs> because it's so funny. I've seen it a dozen times. I can't lie. And it's just as funny every time I see it. There are lines that you will, if you if you watch it and you appreciate it a tenth as much as I do, you will quote Slane's lines from that movie for years to come. And it is absolutely ridiculous. I mean, it goes from um, he it, he's cleaning up the streets, but he's also uh, a, a stand-in pimp. And 
his his known associates are drug dealers, but he uh, I can't. It's so funny, and I can't even quantify how just ridiculous. And and the cool thing is, is that the things that made those original movies from the '70s so low budget and low, uh, just low rent, so to speak, make it into this movie on purpose. Boom mics, uh, characters that are reading their directions, like. Man, looks startled. And then the guy says his line. Little things like that that are just absolutely brilliant. Uh, you'll see a, a, a scene messes up and Michael J. White standing there like there he's waiting for the scene to be cut and it doesn't and then it just continues. And it, it plays so authentic that if it was, if it didn't have Tommy, um, Tommy Davidson in it or... Um, Nicole Sullivan from Mad TV in it. If you didn't have these very f- familiar faces in it, you would have you would have definitely thought this was made uh, back then. It's so good. I mean, there's Kung Fu in it. There's Ronald Reagan. I mean, it's absolutely ridiculous, and it just is. Oh, it's just I can't. I just I can't with this movie. <laughs> so good. Do yourself a favor. Check out Black Dynamite. They actually made a, a, a adult film, an Adult Swim show, a cartoon off of it. Um, I caught some of the episodes, but I knew I wasn't getting uh, uh, the the. It was good for that medium, but oh my gosh, they've since made a second one, uh, not Black Dynamite, but it's called The Outlaw Johnny Black. And it takes place. It's an old Western. So I'm really looking forward to that one to be released. That's coming out soon. A uh, couple quick ones left. Back to the Future 2 is the best in that series. I will fight you and I will die on this hill. Back to the Future 2 is by far the best of the of those of the Back to the Future movies. Um, it's the least regarded. Yet when you think about Back to the Future, everything that you think about and know and love about Back to the Future comes from that movie. Everybody wants a hoverboard from Back to the Future 2. Everybody remembers the flying car from Back to the Future 2. Everybody remembers the scenes from 2015 from Back to the Future 2. Everybody remembers fake evil Biff from Back to the Future 2. I can go on and on and on and on. It's not re- regarded as the as the best, and that's a shame because it is absolutely... You get three separate movies in one, and it's it's awesome. It is absolutely awesome. Um, uh, the scenes from 2015, which was four years ago, are quaint. And it's so funny to see that, that that's what they thought the future was going to be like. And we always wanted 2015 to be our future. And we ended up with evil 1985 as our present. And it's still it, it's it's still just a fun movie. Uh, you know, you can say what you want about the third one. You know, that, that's got some ridiculous new too. But I personally will always be the most fond of Back to the Future 2. Absolutely. You know, and then finally on this list, this movie is, um, it is the sequel to one of the most, anybody who has, has any even kind of downtrodden in their life or any kind of, most people who saw this movie in its heyday when it first came out, has an affinity to it. It literally created, um, it literally created a genre in and itself of indie movies, of 
the the director of this movie is a household name, uh, namely because of this. And you know, everybody loves Clerks. Everybody, you know, it gave us Jay and Silent Bob. It gave us uh, Kevin Smith. It spawned a series of movies, some great, some amazing, others okay. Clerks itself uh, is very high regarded, and I'm not going to sit here and say that's a bad movie. You can tell that it was made on a shoestring. It was made by somebody that had a personal story to tell, and he told it. And he told his story, uh, what his life was like at the time. Jump to about 10 years later, he makes Clerks 2. I think is absolutely brilliant for me personally. Because if there was never a, a, a character in cinema history that I personally identified with more uh, on a, a somewhat level, not as of a dark level, a cynical level, but from that mindset is definitely Dante Hicks from Clerks. Definitely. Um, a man that has ideas, has dreams, has things that he wants to do, but is grounded in his reality that he both lo loathes and yet is loyal to. He, you know, in the first movie, again, that's clerks will never do because it, it's, it, 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 it's, it's a good, it's not regarded as a bad movie, but he hates his stance in life. He hates the, the nine to five that he goes into. But yet he is still loyal enough to show up. He's loyal enough to continue doing what he's doing. Um, does he make a bad choice as far as screwing over the person that uh, art inarguably takes care of him? Like, you know, bring some lasagna at work. Yeah. I mean, he's not a very, he's not a noble character by any stretch of the imagination. But I get where he's coming from and I get his his fears and his anxieties. He doesn't want to, he is surrounded or he, he knows his station in life and he's not happy with it, but he's too scared to make that change. And for me personally, I can relate to that very, very well. The second one uh, takes place, you know, years later, here he is an older man now still living that, day-to-day -day borderline miserable existence he now has to get a job at a, a fast food station or a fat fast food place still that same mentality uh he's got dreams he's got goals at this point now his future you know he's about to get married his future is being written for him he is an actor in a play that's not his own and he is very much, again, wishes to go beyond what he feels comfortable doing and still, but still is loyal to what his surroundings are for better, for worse. Um, and again, not a noble character at all. He knocks up his coworker when he's supposed to be getting married. Uh, what a piece of shit. What a piece of shit. But 
there is the some of the emotions and the anxieties that he feels is relatable and clerks 2 is i don't know uh, they for my personal opinion that lightning in a bottle they got for clerks 1 they were at least able to make a corporate uh, a believable knockoff of that of that lightning from the first one a believable enough um really good things in, in in there um really good performances uh really good way they tied in a lot of the things from that kind of stretched through the view askew universe uh you know the people say, oh the mcu is this big long thing or all these movies are tied together uh kevin smith and those guys did it years before you guys before before disney did and from a more grounded level that people can, characters that they can relate to did it better because you can relate to you know, you can strive to be a superhero but you can try to be cool as or at least okay with your shitty surroundings as randall <laughs> from lurks you know you can try to be as awesome and fun loving as star lord but in reality, you're you're just a dick that hangs outside of a of a gas station trying to sell drugs to just trying to sell drugs to high school kids. <laughs> Those characters and, and they bleed through a lot. Uh, you know, chasing Amy, um, Dogma. A lot of these characters, uh, mall rats, uh, to a certain degree. A little too corporate for my taste, but mall rats. But it's still a good movie. Um, but Clerks Two is you know oh he just made it for the money he just made it for the cash and whatever I. There's real emotions that he was still able to write about. Um, with Kevin Smith, a lot of his movies, once he ran out of personal stories to tell, he just made movies that he wanted to make. And I, I prefer, for me, his personal, the stories that are the most personal were the, were the best because they were the most relatable. I can't relate to Zack and Mary make a porno. I can't relate to Tusk. I can't relate to yoga hosers. I can relate to Dante Hicks and I can relate to Randall Graves. I can relate to uh, Holden McNeil uh, from, you know, some of those other movies, but specifically clerks Two kind of stands out as, uh, you know, not as obvious are inarguably worse than the first one, but from a personal thing. And, and in the end, what he had actually was, you know, you're not even supposed to be here today, but he's here. And that is something that's cool. That is something that's uh, to, to to be here today is uh, uh, if you could find an ounce of nobility from a piece of shit character like Dante Hicks is that, you know what? Yeah, you weren't supposed to be here today, but you're here. And that's cool. Am I reading way too much into that? Of course I am, but that's okay. It resonated with me. So I really appreciate uh, everybody listening specifically to this episode. I really was very, very hesitant to do something like this where it's just me talking into the darkness. But um, I, I really wanted to kind of just quantify what what we're trying to do here with the Be Kind um, kind of, so you can kind of where I'm coming from. I 
love feedback. I love input. I love messages, text messages. Uh, you can, I love that. Uh, when I get notification that someone's made a comment on one of my posts on the Be Kind Rewind show uh, Facebook page or through email, I absolutely love it. I want to know what you have to say. I want to hear your story. I want to hear your thoughts. Even if it's to tell me I'm um, an idiot and you're terrible and you should just go away, please tell me. Because if you don't tell me, I won't know that I need to do that. No, but and also in all seriousness, uh, I am very grateful and I'm very humbled that the people that have been listening to this show like it. And I really hope it's 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 resonating with with somebody out there that that can appreciate these movies that people hate or are unjustly vilified. And uh, again, please reach out. I want to hear your story. I want to hear what you have to say about the movies that you are passionate about, because that is literally one of my favorite things. And I'm not just trying to bullshit you. I'm I am in all sincerity and earnesty. I'm definitely want to hear what you have to say. Um, everybody has a voice and everybody's voice is valid to themselves unless you're a racist or misogynist. <laughs> um, but I, 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 I want to hear your story and I want to hear what you have to say. Uh, so please, you know, I, I, thank you for continuing to listen. Um, I've got some amazing shows coming up down the line. I'm really reaching for the brass ring here, uh, for some, some, some really, uh, my goal, uh, what I would like to see this is I would love to have somebody that's in these movies here. Anybody. Um, I would love to have any, somebody from one of these films because I would like to look them in their face and I want to hear their story on how they made the movie. What were their experiences like? Cause I love to hear that. So that's, um, if you subscribe to the, the, the secret or any, any other kind of bullshit like that, speaking those things out loud makes them a reality. So thank you for indulging me. Uh, I, I appreciate you letting me talk. I did not think I was going to talk this long. <laughs> I really didn't, but I, I appreciate you guys listening. Um, he said, please reach out to me. Uh, thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much. Uh, eavesdrop network. Brett, I'm very humbled and very grateful for, for everything that you guys do. You got uh, it, buddy. <laughs> uh, for, for everything and, and making this goofy dream a reality. And there is no Be Kind Rewind without you guys. And I am sincerely grateful. Thanks, man. Thank you. And, and there's no Be Kind Rewind without people listening. And w without you guys, I'm just here talking into a microphone, which I would have done anyway. I got that kind of free time. No, no, I don't. I'm a father of two. I've got things to do. <laughs> Um, I, I, I love you thank you and I'll see you next time <laughs>